0: Um, Philippians 4, as is our habit, we're going to read through the whole chapter, so I hope you have um, your own Bibles, but if not, uh, we've got it on the screens here. Philippians 4, so then, my dearly loved and longed for, brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, talking to the Philippians, in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Iodia, and I urge Syntyche, Iodia is actually going to be the name of our firstborn, to agree in the Lord. <laughs> Some of you are awake. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel, and we're not pregnant. Um, yeah. Along with Clement. <laughs> Y'all you got your hopes up there. Last thing we need is a little hunter running around, I'll tell you that much. All right, we're reading scripture. Uh, My co workers whose names are in the book of life. Verse four, perhaps the most ridiculous verse in all scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. I will say it again, just if you guys didn't get me. Paul says, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Now, don't worry about anything. The second craziest passage. But in everything, through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's one of those promises, church. Do you believe that to be true? That the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell On these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. Do all of that, and the God of peace will be with you. And then here's our passage from last week I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but you lacked the opportunity to show it. As we're going to learn today um, when we look back, the Philippians had kind of a reputation for taking care of Paul for ministering to his needs and so he's saying here hey once again you guys renewed that like there was this time where you weren't really you know practically able to care for me not because you weren't willing but because you didn't have the opportunity but now you guys have renewed that um, because they sent this gift by the hands of Epaphroditus to Paul and 11 verse 11 I don't say this out of need for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself I know Both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well fed or hungry, to do all things. Oh, wait, 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 wow, I just skipped a lot. Whether well fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. There's another promise. And then here's our passage, here's where we're going to start today. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, we're going to talk about what Paul's referring to here, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit That is increasing to your account, man. I can't, this is going to be good. This is some rich stuff right here, church. But I have received everything in full. And I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you provided. That gift that they gave. A fragrant offering, Paul calls it. An acceptable sacrifice. Pleasing to God. And my God, here's another glorious promise will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And it just sounds like the book is over right there. But then he says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I'll say amen now again. We're going to talk about glorious supply today. Glorious supply and and, and it is glorious church. I say that to you and I say that to my own soul because I need to hear that. My my prayer for today is that, man, God would just, would take us beyond simply understanding scripture better to simply knowing how things connect a little bit more. We're We're gonna do some of that, but that these truths would really produce rejoicing in us that what we're looking at would literally, it would change us, it would transform us. Paul is teaching these Philippians something. He's trying to impart something to them. He's trying to impart a a different mindset, a different way of looking at things, and specifically things like partnership and sharing and giving and serving. We need God to shift some things in our mind today. It's not just, oh, here, do a little behavioral adjustment this week. No, we need our minds to be renewed in the the living water of God's word today. So I hope you'll pray that too. Father, you are the gracious God. You are faithful. And Lord, we are floating in your love right now. That's how surrounded we are. That's how safe we are. It's just love. And Lord, when your truth comes, when your discipline comes, That's just more expression of your love for us. So, Lord, as we read today, though maybe we're not specifically talking about love, God, I pray that you would hold us in that love and that we would see how good you are. Lord, guide my words. Lord, so often they can be so many. And so let them be few, but let them be right. Let them be in accordance with your word. Holy Spirit, would you speak? Tend the soil in hearts this morning, in my heart, in our hearts. God, that when this word is heard, it doesn't just go through our head. And it doesn't just go in our head, it goes in our heart and it bears fruit. That it's not, it doesn't land on the hard soil where the, the enemy takes it away and we just forget everything. It doesn't land in the rocks and the thorns that, that choke it out, the cares of this world and the worries of this world. Or suffering, Lord. God, man, we would leave rejoicing in you more than when we came. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So let's start at verse 14 here, okay? And and this is such a key verse because it's not only the transitioning verse, it's the connecting verse from last week. This is going to connect us to last week here. Paul says, still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. So that demands context right away, okay? Okay? So last week, Paul's saying, hey, you guys renewed your care for me, and that was awesome. But then he goes on this thing where he's like, hey, I really didn't need it. Like, how would that sound, right? You give something to someone, you care for someone's needs, and they're like, yo, I was actually good, right? And that's that's not entirely what's going on here, but it almost sounds like Paul, because Paul's trying to teach them, yo, God has taught me. You can just hear the joy as he's explaining this to them. Like, I'm content in everything. And we're gonna say that Paul's really not um, telling them, oh, it was worthless for you to contribute. It was worthless for you to give, to sacrifice for my sake. That's not what Paul's saying. And so I think that's why, a little bit why he says still, he kind of is gonna caveat for a second. He's like, okay, I am content in Christ, but still, you guys did well. And, And how he describes this gift through Epaphroditus, he says, by sharing with me, by partnering with me in my hardship. That's how Paul sees the Philippians' actions here. That it wasn't just, oh, let's go ahead and send Paul a little money. They they were part of this ministry that Paul was engaged in. They were a part of this suffering. They're a part of the kingdom together. The, the, The story of the New Testament, of these letters, of Acts, is not just the story of how God used Paul so mightily and he did. But these churches are part of that same body with Paul. We are a part of the same body as Paul. We are involved in the same work, the same ministry. And Paul's encouraging. I think that's the reason he wrote these verses. One of the reasons is to encourage them, say, hey, Philippians, you're involved in this thing with me. And I love how he uses the word partnership here. Um, Not all translations do that. And, and, Hang with me because this might get boring for a minute, okay? But, but I love this because what I want to do right now is I want to take a moment and I d- want to take the opportunity because Paul, Paul's also going to look back. He's going to refer to the, the past with these Philippians. And I want to take the opportunity to make some connections in Scripture, okay? And this is going to maybe feel just a little, I don't know, academic, but I hesitate to say that because I don't know if I'm the most academic. But we're going to go for it because I love and I want to take every opportunity I can to to help people be in awe of the word of God. That there's a desire to read it. That it is connected. And it, it, it's not just this random stuff and instructions. That there's such a beauty to it. And I saw this beauty as I was studying. And so I want to help you guys see it. And I love it when I can take the pieces of scripture that seem disconnected and like, you know, from each other. And get them in front of me and put it together. And it's like, oh, and there's so much more understanding there. hopefully it doesn't just end with oh great I understand this ancient text better look I'm a better nerd you know no it's it's man I understand God more I see God's hand more accurately I rejoice in his beauty and that this is not the work of man this is the work of God and so we're gonna make a few connections here if you go back to Philippians 1 right I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've been in Philippians 1, but go ahead and turn there if you have your Bibles. Paul uses this same word, partnership. And I love how the CSB translates this word, partnership, and it does it in all these cases because it is the same word in the Greek, or at least the same root is in it. It's that word koinonia that we know, that word for fellowship, for sharing in the life of God together that we're in this together. And he says, Philippians, man, we're we're in this together. You're part of this. We're partners. Look what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your, what's that word? Partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So again, back in Philippians 1, Paul's referring, to what's the first day? I think Paul's referring to, not the first day when he found the gospel, maybe, but, but when he came to Philippi and that church began and Lydia became a convert and the Philippian jailer became a, became a convert. The first day, Paul's like, back then, we were partners then, that first day. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's another promise, another glorious promise to hold you every day of your life. Indeed, it is right for me to think this about you all, all of you, because I have you in my heart and you are all, what? Partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And then let's look at verse 29 here. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him. God gave you an opening of eyes, an ability to believe in Jesus. God gave that to you. And He also gave you something else. He gave you the ability to suffer with Christ. He's telling these Philippians. Since, verse 30, you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. And I love this because if we go back to Acts 16, I think that's a lot of what Paul's referring to here. He's writing this letter to the Philippians. And so when you read through the book of Acts, you have the context for who Paul's actually writing to. And and I think I have some maps here. I think this is when I want to show the maps. I get confused on the timing of all this stuff. Um, I love it. In 1 Peter, we went through 1 Peter earlier last year, right? Peter writes to all of these these areas right here in, in Asia Minor. Paul, on his second missionary journey... Sorry, I only have one laser pointer, and it's over here. Um, for some reason, the Holy Spirit, in God's timing, says, "Paul, I don't want you to preach in Asia." It's just curious. It's always astounds me. God's like, "No, don't, don't, don't preach the word in Asia right now." The the word of God. I mean, Peter writes to all these people, right? So Paul says, "Okay, Lord." So they pass through Asia, and they come up here. No, uh, let's keep. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I like it. Thank you. Um, they come up here. Yeah, I don't, I don't need my laser pointer, really. Um, they come to Troas, and when they're there, I think in Troas, Paul has a dream, right? And there's the, in the dream, there's this guy from Macedonia saying, Paul, come over and help us. So Paul's like, okay, that's the next direction. The Lord doesn't want me to preach here, so we're going to Macedonia. And who's in Macedonia? Man, I had too much coffee. Look at this. Ah, nope, nope. Philippi. Philippi is the main city in Macedonia. Look what Acts 16 says. It kind of sums up uh, Philippi for us. From Troas, uh, yeah, I do want the verse. Um, we put out to sea and sailed. Actually, let's just, go, let's just go back to the map here. While I'm reading this, you can see what I'm reading. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. What is Samothrace? Uh, where is Samothrace? Yeah, there, there we go. Bam, that little island right there. The next day to Neapolis, right? They don't spend a lot of time there. And from there to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city of the district of Macedonia. I have a hunch that that's one of the reasons why Paul says, hey, all the saints greet greet you, especially Caesar's household, because this was one of the leading cities. So it makes sense that Caesar's household would maybe be associated with some people in Philippi. So anyway... Why are we talking about this? Why are we talking, why are we showing the map? Why are we doing all this? Just to, I mean, on one hand, it's just nice to when you're reading this stuff, you're like, why am I reading this? Just show me the map. Just show me the map. Yeah, I'm gonna get it. Who else is in? I'm just not even gonna use this. I can't even, I need, I should've ate more. Um, I'm gonna get some good lunch after this. Who else is there? Who else do we know? Thessalonica's there and Berea. But we have two letters that Paul wrote to Thessalonica. First and second Thessalonians, right? And so I want you to see that these Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, these are what we get to, from what, what, I, what I take from Scripture are the main churches in the region of Macedonia. And that's important because when Paul, Paul refers to these churches, but he doesn't met, really mention Philippi and Thessalonica all the time. He says the Macedonians, the Macedonians. And it's so funny because when I read through Scripture, I'm like, I have no context or clue who the Macedonians are. And um, Paul, that means nothing to me. Well, now I do. It's the very people we've been talking about for two and a half months. And so Paul, even in in 2 Corinthians, is one of the main places where Paul, and where's Corinth? It's down here in Achaia, right? So Paul leaves there. He actually left Silas and Timothy in Berea when they're traveling, and he goes down to Athens, and then to Athens he goes to Corinth. And that's what he says in verse 15 here. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, that's what he's talking about. He's like, okay, I left Macedonia, I left you guys. And I came down to Athens and Corinth. When that was happening, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. That's very interesting. You alone, Philippians, you're the only one who really shared. For even in Thessalonica, before Paul left, he's like, even before I left Macedonia, You sent gifts for my need several times. So he's kind of reminding them of something. He's saying, hey, still, you did well to partner with me in my hardship. And this is where Paul's beginning to impart that new perspective to them. That he's saying, hey, I'm content in all things. I have everything I need. But that doesn't mean your gift was in vain. That doesn't mean your service to me didn't mean anything. But he says, let me tell you something, because it wasn't just about what I needed. When you gave, when you served me, it wasn't about, just about what you were doing for me. It was about what God was doing in you. That you were displaying something. By obeying the Spirit in faith, you were displaying the worthiness of Christ. We're going to get into that a little bit more, but I want to talk about, before we move on, this partnership, right? Paul's partnering with these people, and he's reminding them that. He's saying, still, hey, like, I remember, he's like, man, you guys took care of me. You guys were such a blessing to me back in the past. I mean, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a while since Paul's been to Philippi. And he says in, in chapter 1, right, way back in chapter 1, you partnered, um, it's been given to you not only to believe in Jesus but to suffer for his sake. That Paul wasn't the only one suffering. He says, you guys, you're engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have. They saw Paul get whipped and thrown in jail in Philippi. Remember, there's that demon-possessed servant girl and she's like raking in the dough for her masters because she can tell the future. And then she's harassing Paul and Silas and then Paul's just like, I'm done, get out demon. And the demon leaves her and the, the, the masters of this poor girl are like, well, there goes our money. And so they incite a, you know, the people of Philippi. This is Acts 16. They beat him, throw him in jail. Paul and Silas are in the in the prison at night. They're singing, earthquake, jail opens. That's Philippi. That's these people that Paul's writing to right here. And so Paul says, "You saw the struggle I had. You saw me suffering. And now Philippians, you you get the privilege. You get the privilege of suffering with Jesus." And I was ta- I had an awesome conversation with my sister earlier this week and she said something so profound. We were talking about suffering, and she said, you know, what is the most intimate expression of love? And I mean, my mind just goes like, oh, sex, you know, because that's where my mind goes. But she says, it's suffering with someone. And I was like, is, is that not true? That when you're willing, like, how much more could you love someone? How much more intimate does it get when you're actually willing to suffer with someone? Do you realize that that's what Jesus did with you and me? He didn't just love us from a distance. He came here and suffered with us. And Paul Paul says, you Philippians, you get the privilege now. God, by allowing you to suffer, by allowing me to get beat the heck out of and thrown in prison, and everything else Paul goes through, he lists it out, the mess of suffering that he went through in in one of the Corinthian He says, that's a privilege because I get, that's God inviting me into closeness with him. That's God saying, I want you intimately to know who I am. And that happens through suffering. And so Paul's like, that's what's involved in this partnership thing we got going here. You're partner's with me. All right, but let's move on, okay? Um, I wanna go, we're talking about this history. I'm sorry guys, stay with me, I'm all over the place here. We're talking about this history, so Paul leaves Macedonia. and, and then later on, I, I think much later when he writes the letter, there's actually four letters to the, to the church in Corinth. We have two of them. Um, I think it's the, the second one and the fourth one is what we have, okay? And so in 2 Corinthians, which is maybe one of the last letters that Paul wrote to them, he's talking about the Philippians. He's talking about probably not just the Philippians, but we know that at one point the Philippians were the only church that was giving to Paul, that was sharing in the ministry with him. And so I think... Philippi is one of the main churches he's talking about. But if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. And um, this is one of those passages where preachers will usually go to when we're talking about giving or something like that. Um, and it's a great passage for that because Paul is calling the Corinthians to grow in the grace of giving. But I, hear, I want you to see what he says about the Philippians. Verse 1 of chapter 8 in 2 Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. And this is going to give us another window into the experience of the Philippians. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord. Paul's like, I didn't go asking them for anything. They begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. Paul's been collecting money for the saints. Uh, at one point, he was collecting money for the saints in Jerusalem. This, I, I didn't do enough study to know what this collection was for, right? But this wasn't even for Paul. But the Philippians, the Macedonians are like, Paul, let us be a part of this. And not just as we hoped. instead they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. And I'm pretty confident that this was written much later than Philippians. But I love it because when Paul's talking about contentment last week, do you think the Philippians got it? Do you think they experienced that grace that Paul was talking about that he had learned? Do you think they learned it? How cool is it to see that? Like, you see Philippians come alive here in 2nd Corinthians. And on my own, I wouldn't even think a second thought as I'm reading through those. So that's why, if sorry if that's boring, but I wanted to, man, that, that when you're reading this, know you have the context of these other verses that come in supporting it. And I love how the instruction Paul's giving the Philippians, we see them displaying here in Corinthians. So let's move on. We did a little history lesson. What is paul teaching these philippians here we've already talked a little bit about that last week we talked about that but there is some rich stuff that he is trying to tell them and he's trying to tell us and we know it's not just paul because if it was it would just be the words of man's wisdom but this is the spirit of god filling a man as he writes this stuff down these are promises from god church this is the instruction of the lord for you today not the instruction of hunter you read it for yourself if what i'm saying is not right then you go with what it says so that it is the words of god it's not yours or mine or nicks or paul's this is the word of the spirit through the apostle paul and i and i say that with that emphasis so that we are more inclined to consider actually believing it still with me all right all right we're about i'm not going to tell you how far we are that would not be profitable. <clears throat> verse 17, not that I seek the gift. So verse 16, he says, for even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my need. He's like, no, I, he's like, still, you guys did well. What you've done for me, man, it has a lot of purpose and meaning. It is good. And I remember you guys gave to me. You guys took care of me. Not that I seek the gift though. This is kind of what he reiterates what he said last week he's kind of reiterating that same idea not that I seek the gift but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account what does that mean I'll tell you something if some missionary I'm so, I can be such a skeptic right if some missionary or church planner or someone was up here you know telling us about their ministry so that you know calling us to give and support their ministry and they pulled that line wouldn't that just sound so slimy like Oh, I, I, I don't need anything from you, but I'm seeking you to give to my ministry for the good it's going to do you. It's like, yeah, yeah, all right. But what's so cool here is that it's not slimy. It's true. It's absolutely true that Paul's saying, yo, what he says in verse uh, 18, I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied. He's like, I actually, you guys have already taken care of me. I don't need anything else from you. Your partnership, your giving, your serving, what that means is not just about me. And get this, church, when you see a need, when the Lord leads you to give, it's not just about what your actions are producing in someone else. It's about what your faith in God is producing in you to the glory of God. He says, when you gave, it's profit to your account. It didn't just profit me, it's fruit to your account. How is that fruit? How is that profit? What does that mean? Well, when the Philippians are giving, when they're sacrificing, when they're suffering, when they're serving, when they're partnering, they're they're displaying the worthiness of Christ. That, That it's worth seeing the gospel go forward, that this is such good news, I'd rather give to this than spend money on maybe my own security or my own pleasure or whatever else. So in that way, they're displaying the worthiness of Christ. They're displaying obedience to the Spirit of God. They're displaying the unity that Paul calls them to. That this isn't one or two Philippians. This is the church in Philippi saying, we want to partner with you. And that's fruit. That's fruit to the glory of God. God is glorified in that. And that's what it's all about, which we see in verse 20. That's who our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen that he says the fruit and the profit to your account is that you're sharing in the glory of God. You are displaying the glory of God in your actions by your heart. And so when the Lord calls you to something, if the results don't make any sense to you or if they are awesome, if they abound, or if they lack, you can be content because it's not about the results. It's about simply obeying your Father and enjoying that intimacy of trusting him as he teaches you that you're glorifying God. When you suffer in, you know, no one else sees, when you give and nobody else sees, that's saying something to God. It's not about always the results of what other people say and how excited we all are and how amazing ministry is. It's just simply Obeying God because we love Him and we trust Him. God is glorified in that. That is God being glorified. But let's move on here. Um, And I love what Paul calls it in verse 18. I have received everything from Epaphroditus, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. That's what it was, Philippians. What you've done is pleasing to God. Not just the actions, but the actions are simply proof of what's in your heart of what's going on, and he says, I have everything I need. He doesn't need to plead with them. He doesn't need to manipulate them for some desired end. He's like, he's displaying the same thing he said last week. I'm content. I've learned the secret of contentment, and now he's teaching the Philippians that same thing in verse 19. Oh, what a pillar verse this is. Stay with me here, church. Stay with me, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? We're going to talk about what does that even mean, right? Because there's some vagueness in there. But Paul says, Philippians, you didn't give to your own detriment. You're giving your sacrifice. It's not in vain. It doesn't mean God's, you know, you give and now, you know, God's just going to let whatever happen to you. He says, no, no, no. Just like God has supplied all of my needs, God's going to supply all of your needs. You can be content as well. It's not just me that's learning this. It's you, Philippians. And now he's imparting this mindset to them again right here in this verse. Because this verse right here, church, it means very little if you don't know what your needs are. Right? I mean, my mind, when I hear that, I'm like, my God will supply, okay, I need to claim this promise. My God will supply all I need. Well, when I'm in a place of need, the question that comes to my mind that kind of voids this verse that steals the glory from it is... How do I know this is a need? How do I know this is a need? How do I know God's going to supply this? Because I don't know if it's a need, and that's true, church. This, this verse is not just giving us some comforting, you know, candy to take into our, our fleshly way of thinking. So that everything you want or consider a need, you can just, you know, claim that, name it and claim it. God's going to give it to you. No, 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 this verse invites us into a new mindset. This verse invites us into saying, God, what are my needs? What actually are you going to provide for? What actually can I claim this and trust you for here? Because church, don't, I mean, isn't it true? Can't you, don't you want like, I don't always know what my needs are. And sometimes I think I need something I don't. And sometimes I don't think I need something that I do need. Can anyone relate? Is that any, is that just me? So when we go to God and we say, okay, Lord, you get to define my needs, right? What are our needs from Scripture? What are the needs we even just see in Philippians, right? That we would bear fruit, that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we would obey Him, obey His commands, right? That we would prefer others better than ourselves. And that's not as exciting to the flesh, is it? And so lest... We lose joy in this, lest this becomes a promise that is dull to us. Stay with me. Stay with me, because do you realize the fruit that God calls you to bear is not begrudging service. The fruit that God calls you to bear is love. It is joy. It is peace. I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. And what this verse is saying is, there is God will always supply what you need to be full of the love of God, full of joy, full of peace. Break down your desires. Break them down. Break them down to their components. What's in those? What's in those desires? If it's not love, joy, peace, I mean, is there anything left? The security, the safety that comes with peace in trusting God God says, my God will supply all your needs, Philippians. So that, okay, let's say, you know, let's go extreme here, right? Let's say, I mean, we think, okay, I need a house. I need an apartment. I need a roof, right? That's a need. I need food, right? And I can't define that as a need based on this verse. That sounds drastic. That sounds extreme. But most of the time, God does provide food, me and my wife have a house like we're so blessed above and beyond our needs we have so much more than our needs but do you know paul paul actually went without food paul actually went without a roof i mean in corinthians he's floating in the ocean like a day and a night or something like that i forget how long it was right are his needs met there is god supplying for his needs while he's floating in the ocean on a piece of driftwood is god supplying everything that paul needs when he's getting stoned in lystra church this is a different way of thinking this is a different way of seeing because the answer is a resounding yes always and I am just broken up here because I just I have not attained that I don't rejoice always (laughs) I haven't even been stoned Lord, thank you. That's good. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> no, but I haven't had to float in the ocean. Right? Which has always been one of my, you know, biggest fears. You know, I, I, I'm always afraid of sharks. But to know, I'm not even going to tell that story. Gosh, this is going way off. Um, that is a good story. But yes, Paul had everything he needed to rejoice in the Lord. Do you realize that's the power of the gospel? That's the power of the good news, church. That is something so beyond religion. That is something so beyond my flesh and what I could do, some behavior that I could display. Like that is a supernatural work of a divine being. It's nothing short of that. And Paul says, my God will supply. You may have to wait a little bit, but it's coming. It's coming. You will always have everything you need to have joy and peace, patience, kindness, self-control. That's our needs, church. And my God will supply for all your needs. And so whether you get the roof over your head or you know the food or you don't, I can trust that, okay, in a situation, in that, in that extreme situation, you know, our house burns down, and, you know, insurance doesn't pay for a hotel, whatever, you know. Uh, God's, I mean, I don't need to play this out. You guys would house me, right? Um, but I'm just, I'm just breaking this down into an extreme scenario. That I can either trust that God's going to provide a roof, but if He doesn't, I'll, prov- I'll, I'll trust that He's going to provide the grace to go without. And in that, I can rejoice. That either way, He will take care of my needs. And you know what's so rich about this verse, right, is, is, is the, the little line at the end here. My God will supply all your needs according to something, according to the riches of the glory of His grace. Does that sound dull? Does that sound boring, the riches of the glory of His grace? And when I, when I, there is a prosperity in that. And it's not a prosperity of like the prosperity gospel that, you know what, new car, bam, there it is. Just claim it, God will give it to you. It is a prosperity that when I think about my life and, and I, I realize how far above and beyond my needs I have, you know, we have a house, we have a dog, we have, you know, whatever else. We have food in the fridge. We have a car that runs great, it, you know, it gas we can afford, like so many blessings, so many little pleasures and joys. Do you, when we realize this perspective that Paul gives here, it, 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 it calls us to realize how extra all of that is. Not as a way of taking away from it, to saying, stop enjoying that stuff so much. No, no, but just to realize how good you could be without that stuff. Like, even if you didn't have that stuff, you could still rejoice. You could still be full of joy. That's why Paul says, whether I abound or I'm in lack, it's the same reason I'm rejoicing. It's not based on how much comfort I have or what experiences I get to enjoy in this life because there's so much. If it's not possessions, you know, there, you know, friendships and experiences that we could have, good food at a good restaurant with a nice atmosphere. Like, I love that kind of stuff. And what Paul's saying here is, you know what? That is, I mean, this is an implication I'm taking from what Paul's saying. That is so extra so that even if that is all taken away, I could have the same joy and the same peace, and I just, I am not there, and so I'm preaching this as this hypocrite, as this seeker, as this one who's saying, God, do that in me. Change my perspective. Change my mindset, but you see the excessive Blessing of the Father, I think. Just the, the taste of the riches of the glory of His grace. The, I think that extras is just supposed to point us to how glorious God is to us. That He doesn't just give us what we need. There are times where He'll call us to that so that we know how good and enough He is. But I think He allows us to experience these lavish blessings as just a taste and a, and a glimpse of how generous and kind He is. That it's so much more than we need the riches of the glory of His grace. Are you experiencing that? Are you experiencing God providing for your needs, church? Let's wrap this up, yeah? Verse 20. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And again, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. I say this often, but... It remains true in my life. Sometimes the glory of God is just kind of this vague, abstract concept out there that sure, my life is about the glory of God, but I don't really know what that means. This is what it means. It means trusting God to supply your every need. It means rejoicing in the Lord always. It means bearing fruit and and, and obeying the Spirit one moment at a time claiming the promises of God, because that displays the trustworthiness, the reality of who God is, that he's real, that I actually trust him, like I actually depend on him. If God doesn't come through here, I don't have anything. God's real. And you're displaying the worthiness of Christ like the Philippians. It's not us, it's the spirit of God. We're just obeying, we're just listening, we're just saying, yes, I believe. And God is glorified in that church. And when the glory of God is just a, you know, something that's hard to grasp, just realize that every, every positive experience, memory, thing in your life is a taste, is a glimpse, is a product of the glory of God. It's all wrapped up in that, the revelation of who, who He is. And every gain we experience, right, is a mercy from his hand. And, and I have this, I have this, I'm going to end it with this. I have this like 2,000 piece Star Wars puzzle, and I love Star Wars. I've never finished it. <laughs> 2,000 pieces, though, is a lot. Um, and you might, you know, you might get a bit of sky, you know. You might get an alien head or, you know, blaster pistol, whatever, Right? And if all you're looking at is that, it's just, you know, it, it just gets monotonous and confusing and you don't really get it. And so what do you have to do when you're putting together that puzzle? What do you have to do? If, look at the box. Do you, uh, the, the, the box is the glory of God. Look at the revelation of who God is. Dwell upon him, true, honorable, moral excellence, pure, just. Dwell on these things. Look at the box. Look at who God is. And that little piece of your life is gonna make a little more sense. Your participation in the glory of God makes a little bit more sense when you're looking at Him. When you're looking at how trustworthy He is. It's how He's proved Himself that I can, I can trust. You're gonna supply all my needs. I will rejoice in the Lord. Man, I hope this is not somehow a condemnation church because if anyone's condemned it's me but I hope this is an encouragement because that's why Paul read it that's why Paul wrote this to encourage these Philippians Lord do it I cannot father thank you that you hear prayer you do that you're with us today. You've been with us, Lord, in the, you know, in the good, in the bad, in the just normal monotonous of this service, of life, of, you know, trying to keep our eyes open and trying to pay attention, but kind of failing at some points. Lord, I I just, that's so, so normal, but you're with us in that. You're with us in it all. You see our lives, you see the sin. You see the struggle. You see the fear. You see the the horrible things that have been done to us, the horrible things we've done. And you meet us with love. You meet us with provision. You meet us with mercy. God, may we rejoice in you. Glorious supply, Lord, truly it is. Help me see it like that. Help this church see it like that. You're gonna finish the work you started in us. God, we thank you and now we sing to you. Just like Paul and Silas, Lord, thank you that we're not in prison, but we're going to sing to you. And Jesus.